Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the Action Network Podcast. That's called a winning streak. Okay, play ball! What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the MLB opening day betting preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me today is Colin Wilson and Sean Zarillo. In less than 24 hours, we'll be sweating bullpens in the regular season for the first time. Maybe some <laughs> weather in the 30s. What's going on, Zarillo? Oh, man, I'm excited. We got a full slate of games tomorrow. Bunch of pitchers worth watching, bunch of pitchers worth fading, like Bumgarner, who has emphasized the bum in his name lately. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get into it. Showing a lot of value on totals, not a lot of value on money lines as of yet, but got to look into the weather situation and figure out if these totals are worth playing because we've got some early spring weather that's a little bit blustery out there in a couple of these parks. Yeah, we'll get to all of that. We'll go through a lot of these games. We'll talk like undervalued, overvalued pitchers. We'll answer some questions that I got from some of you as well. And then we'll close up with just some futures or season-long props that still have value. Colin, what's going on? If I hear one more time that the <laughs> Royals Royals lineup is underrated, which I actually agree with, but it's no longer underrated. If every single person in the entire country says the Royals lineup is underrated, then people just think it's a good lineup. It's no longer underrated. This is going to be awful. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, I mean, the thing is, is Bobby Wood Jr. got called back down. It's funny, the AAA, AA are going to all hang out in Northwest Arkansas for the first month of the season before minor league games start playing. So Bobby Wood's going to hang out there until this Royals lineup is not underrated anymore. But, hey, when you got Hunter Dozier batting seventh, that can jack them. Sol- Solaire's batting sixth. The biggest thing I'm looking forward to on opening day, we start off at Yankee Stadium. T. Oscar Hernandez season starts, and the wind is blowing out 16 miles an hour. There's a lot of weather to get to. I actually would rather make the argument with the Royals, like, is their rotation underrated? I want to see, you know, Miner's velocity is up. I want to see if Junis, if he adds, I think he added a cutter. Like, is that the third pitch that's been missing? I don't know. The Royals are an intriguing team. Hey, guys, this is Matt, the producer. Just an FYI, Stucky, Callen, and Zarillo are going to go through every game in order. If you're looking for information on just one specific game, just check the episode description and the minute marker for that game 
is included if you just want to skip ahead to one game. Thanks for listening. Good luck on opening day. Let's start off with the first game of the day. I know that most of you degenerates are going to probably bet one of these first two games, regardless if you have an edge or not. We'll start with Jays at Yankees. We have Ryu at Cole. Garrett Cole minus 171 over under eight. If you go back to last year, I think these teams were basically neck and neck. I think the Jays finished one game behind the Yankees. No Springer for the Jays. No Voight for the Yankees. Rio's just been a model of consistency over the past couple of years. He looked good in spring. This is not a velocity guy. His great command. His five pitches. He's just he's gonna miss barrels, and he's very consistent. He's twenty six and ten with a two point three ERA since two thousand eighteen. FIP, XFIP, they're all steady right around three. Really impressed me last year for switching parks and leagues. And he's a pretty even splits guy because he has an elite change, good curve, doesn't really throw a slider, not a power fastball. So you don't – I know he's a lefty, but he's basically an even splits guy. Cole, obviously dominant, looked good in spring, including one outing against the Jays. These are two very reliable starting pitchers. The questions are about both bullpens, right? So you have – the Yankees won't have Chapman. He's suspended two games. Britain is out for a few months. Justin Wilson left the final spring appearance with – soreness so now you're down to like chad green and darren o'day how much do you really need the bullpen with garrett cole we'll find out and then with the jays i started to actually like like this bullpen a lot if kirby yates was healthy in himself but now you don't have you don't have Yates, so everyone moves down some you're gonna have romano who might end up being the closer i don't know if they've na- officially named anyone uh but dolus romano yates like that order yeah i mean that that's really intriguing me now with the eights her there are some questions about the Jays' bullpen and their rotation. They have a lot of injuries there. Pearson, Thomas, Robbie Ray. So they're going to need a lot from Rio. They're going to need him to stay healthy, give them innings. It's uh, an intriguing first game between two teams that should be at least in the conversation for a playoff spot through most of the season. Zarell, I'll start with you. Any value here? There's weather to mention. Just any general thoughts, updated thoughts on either one of these teams as well, if you have any. I have the Yankees projector about 60% here. This is one of two games on opening day where I'm probably showing slight value on both a money line and a total. Colin mentioned wind blowing out 15 miles an hour to that short porch in right field, the Yankee stadium. So I have the total projected up at about 8.4, 8.35. Uh, you could bet over seven and a half right now. I'm trying to see if I can get a little bit better juice, probably like a minus 105 instead of a minus 110 before I hit that. And then the Blue Jays, if I'm able to get the Blue Jays at plus 170 or better, I'm definitely willing to take a small shot against Garrett Cole on opening day. It's just opening day favorites tend to run pretty well just because you have your number one starter on the mound. Everybody's healthy. The bullpen's rested. So generally favorites are the play on opening day. But of these teams that are showing value, the Blue Jays are the one underdog that's kind of crept up into range where I'm thinking about making a play. Kyle, are you going to be on the Jays just because you want to bet on the Oscar? Well, I mean, I'm going to stick to my guns at about what I said a couple months ago. I'm going to be on the over in this game. Like Zerillo, I project this at 8.3, so that's better than the 7.5. Uh, I think the one thing that comes into play here, there's no real splits with when you look at weighted runs created uh, against Ryu being a lefty and Garrett Cole being a righty. There's nothing with the Yankees and Toronto lineup from last season that says that they're, you know, that they excel against those kinds of arms. But what should be into play here is the – the bullpen for the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, I, I would I would not be surprised at all in the back half of this game to see the Yankees go a little bit crazy. Uh, I'm not really comfortable with what they have uh, in the back end of their bullpen, especially with Raphael Dallas 
Jordan Romano. We'll see if he can handle the role, even if it gets to him. I'm not even sure it can get to him. So uh, maybe first three innings is cold. Maybe there's no runs, but I mean, I, I think the runs are going to be a plenty here. I like the over seven and a half. One thing to look for with the Jays, uh, Robbie Ray has been tearing it up in spring training. Uh, everything that we've always fallen into the trap with Robbie Ray and that heater that he throws, he's had it all clicking in, in camp. So I think he's a guy I'll be betting on day one. Yeah, he's. I think he's banged up now, though. But yeah, he was right. looking better. He was. He was trying to change his delivery last year, and it was a disaster. He couldn't locate anything. Um, we've always known he's a nasty stuff, but if he actually has worked out his delivery and can throw strikes consistently, he'll be an interesting look. It scares me to bet an over on opening day. Now, granted, both bullpens are banged up. Like, you don't have Yates, you don't have Chapman, you don't have Britain. But on open day with rested pens with two aces on the mound when it's like 35 degrees. And I, it's all personal bias. And, and some of it's like real, but obviously it's like gets baked into the line as well. But I just remember playing baseball as a kid when it was cold. Like, and I, the last thing I ever wanted to do was hit and it like hurt to hit. And I'm like, oh my, I can't imagine playing in like 30 degree weather. One thing worth mentioning is, Colin, you mentioned splits. Just keep this in mind with like lefties and right. Like Ryu is not, I said this before, not a big, like the Yankees, I think project is a really good hitting team against left-handed pitching. But Ryu is just, like I said, he's change up guy, curve guy. So he's not going to have huge platoon splits. So it's not really that big of a concern here. All right, let's move on to the other early game tomorrow. Indians at Tigers. Now you want to talk about, pitchers who had completely different years last year so starting on opening day you have your reigning Cy Young award winner and Shane Bieber and the pitcher who had the worst ERA among all qualified starters and gave up the most home runs among all qualified starters and Matthew Boyd and will be high 6.71 ERA and allowed 15 home runs last year home runs have been his issue apparently he's worked with driveline in the offseason to work on his changeup and there's been some promising reports there because if he does get a really good changeup and can use it more effectively, then he can throw off batters or just, you know, he's mainly just been a fastball slider guy and it's, he's been pretty easy to pick up and he gives up a ton of homers. So we'll see if he actually can post some better results this year. Indians have owned this series 25 and four against the Tigers the past two years. I look Bieber was dominant last year. There's no other way to put it. Uh, he was throwing his curveball a lot more. Shocker, shocker. An Indians pitcher throwing his curveball a lot more. Threw it over 25% of the time last year. Batters hit under 100 against it. Uh, he, apparently this year he wants to use his slider a lot more. And, and the reason Bieber's become so dominant is he has these two curves and these you know two sliders and the arm angle is so similar, but the drop is like a foot different. And, I mean, his breaking stuff is just amazing. And then obviously he has a, has a good fastball as well to go along with it. But he's working on his slider. Like he wants to throw his slider a lot more this year. That's what he was working on in the spring. He had like a rough outing or two here or there, but he basically just didn't throw his curveball. So I don't know. Maybe he's he's tweaking some things here, and Boyd with his changeup looks a lot better, and he's undervalued in the market. So I don't know. Is there value with the the Tigers here, Zarilla? If anything, I have a first five inning lean to Cleveland, you know, around minus 200. That's like a 2% edge. So leading to the Bieber side and leading to the over have that about 7.8, I believe. You know, the wind blowing straight out to center field, 15 miles an hour, another game being played in the cold. So if that discourages you a little bit, you know, I, I don't mind it at all. But 
The total at seven and a half, even money to the over, I don't think is a bad play necessarily. We don't really know what's going to happen with the ball yet, the new ball, the flight of the ball. But Bieber has five or even six, I guess, if he's throwing two curve balls above average pitches. Led all of baseball in strikeout rate last year. I think there's actually some value on Bieber's prop to lead all of baseball in strikeouts this year. Total strikeouts, obviously, he'll have to battle with the Grom, battle with the guys in the National League who are going to get to face pitchers instead of having to face a National League DH this year, which is kind of an underrated factor. But instead of betting Bieber at plus 350 to win the Cy Young, I'd much rather bet him to lead the big league in K is it about double that number plus 750. The one thing I will say, and look, you know more about baseball than me. The one thing I, I would say is uh, to play devil's advocate with Bieber is I've heard maybe three or four times him either in articles or interviews say that his one of his primary focuses this year is to go deeper into games, which is why he's trying to use his slider more. And like two years ago, he was going a lot deeper. And last year, he just said like everything, especially like a shortened season, when every pitch is so much higher leverage, he was just going for so many strikeouts and he said he wants to not be as strikeout focused this year and try and go deeper into games, use his defense, pitch the contact a little more. So just something to throw out there that Colin, do you you see anything here? I see value on Boyd, uh, not for first five, definitely. First five should be about minus 200 for Bieber. And I think Boyd, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Bieber for the full game should be about minus 165. And as we are recording this, this uh, number, this minus 190 on Bieber is dropping. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to drop. So, you know, I, I may entertain a plus one and a half. Uh, when you look at the weighted runs created situation against lefty-righty splits in this game, both of these teams were in the bottom half. Nothing extreme, but both of these teams were in the bottom half against what they're going to face as far as the lefty and boy and righty and Bieber. Um, you know, wind blowing straight out 30 miles an hour. Uh, I think the total is spot on. Uh, I think there's a little bit extra bit of attacks on the Indians here because of Bieber's name, uh, which I would not play the Tigers first five. I would consider Indians first five, but uh, Tigers full game. The Tigers, well, they're going to three switch hitters at the top of their lineup. Then Cabrera, Indians have a lot of switch hitters. The Indians, by the way, were under Kings last year. Well, unders were like, I don't know, they, they were hit like 70, 80% of their games went under. I think this comes down to, do you believe, and the, the weather's going to be in the 30s, like, do you believe in Boyd bouncing back this year? If you do, there might be some value on the Tigers. I think it's way too early to, just based on a few spring training appearances, to be like, oh, he's got his curveball, and I think he's going to be a lot better based on what we've seen recently. You're, you're not like some big buyer into Boyd, right? No, no, not at all. He's one of the internet's favorite pitchers, one of Twitter's favorite pitchers. Has shown some under-the-radar skills in the past, but I really didn't like what I saw last year. And maybe just from trying to uh, find value on him earlier in the year, I got scared off. But I I need to see some changes before I'm willing to back him again. And I have Cleveland at 62.5% to win that game. So it's a very tiny edge, if anything, on on Detroit and probably not one I'm going to end up playing. And I will mention that I, I do like a couple pieces in the Detroit bullpen. I do like Gregory Soto. He just throws heat. He's been able to locate through the spring. So there are things that I trust with the Detroit bullpen, unlike some other craptastic teams like, you know, the Orioles pen, some other pens out there I don't trust. Detroit, I'm actually giving a little hope into, uh, you know, backing them in some games this year if, if their back end of the, of the bullpen can prove it to me. Uh, speaking of the Orioles, Orioles at Red Sox 210 Eastern. Red Sox about – Minus 170 favorites over under nine. Totals come down a tiny bit. Line has come down a bit. We have Means at Eovaldi. 
the Orioles, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm still in college basketball mode, <laughs> transitioning. Matt Harvey's their number two. Is that is that real? Is that right? It's um, unfortunately real. Happy Harvey Day is taking on a whole new meaning in in 2021. Man, I mean, he owns a 5.85 year A over the past three seasons for four different teams. I can't believe he's still finding big league jobs and. The fact that he's this high on top of rotation is is pretty scary for the prospects of the 2021 Orioles. So I know they traded for Adam Pluko the other day, who I brought up on our Slack, has a 50% fly ball rate, which I don't know how that's going to play in Camden Yards, but I imagine it won't end up well. So this, this Orioles pitching staff is a disaster. I remember them playing a lot of high-scoring games against the Red Sox last year. They're probably going to have to win high-scoring games if they are going to be competitive, but there is no edge here on this game for me on opening day even though I kind of like John Means a little bit, and I, th- I think he's one of their better pieces, but nothing here for me. All right, let's run through the rest of this card quickly. Then we can get to some of your questions, some futures, and some underrated, overrated pitchers that we're targeting early in the season. Well, here we go, folks. Sing along. Roll out the barrel. We'll have a barrel of fun. Wins, Brewers, some places this opened, Minnesota minus 150. Uh, Kenta Maeda has been, was just tremendous last year. And I mean, it just speaks to the unlimited talent in the Dodgers organization as far as starting pitching is concerned. But he was great for the Twins last year. I always looked at him as like uh, righties can't touch him, but he's vulnerable against lefties. But they kind of tweaked his arsenal and he was, didn't matter who he was pitching. That's, he was really good. Going against Woodruff, who I think is also excellent for the Brewers. The problem with Woodruff, when I, whenever I look at the, the Brewers and I want to back Woodruff, I, a lot of times I like to back them first five, but then I'm like, oh, well, the Brewers have such a good back end of the pen. But Woodruff, to me, he's like, can go like five. Like, I wish he could go like six, seven. Like, a lot of times he's like four or five inning guy. But really good pitching matchup here that I'm excited to watch. Anything here, Israel? Yeah, really good pitching matchup. Really good defensive matchup on both sides of the ball. Uh, Colton Wong obviously added to the Brewers. Andrelson Simmons added to the Twins. I think not having Nelson Cruz in the lineup in an NL Park is kind of a big deal. This is one of my favorite unders for opening day. If you could bet eight to minus 110, you can bet seven and a half at even money or better. I really like both of those. I like both of these pitchers a lot. They're my two favorite Cy Young sleepers at 25 to one. Maeda started throwing his best pitches slider more often last year. Both guys keep the ball on the ground at close to a 50% rate. I think they were both 49% last year. So there's a lot of things pointing to the under in this game. Also a climate-controlled stadium. Uh, so give me the under. And uh, that's probably my favorite total for my, for Thursday, rather. I am just staring at this Brewers uh, Twins game. Yeah, I'm with you on this under. Could we have a – we could have a secret humidor here, too. We don't know, right? It's possible. They could be anywhere. We have the new balls. Cue people in on some of the quotes or just the general sentiment around the new balls. Didn't they use the new balls towards the end of spring training that they're going to use? Or did they use different balls? No, they used these balls. Pitchers said that the seam height is noticeably higher. Run scoring was down by about a run per game. Obviously, it's tough to compare past years of spring training because we have different groups of teams in Arizona and Florida relative to what we've had in the past. But 
the balls are noticeably different. Pitchers are saying that they're hanging pitches and they're not getting smoked as hard as they used to be. But at the same time, hitters are eventually going to adjust to that. And you might see hitters become more pull happy later in the year. Pitchers might get more spin on their pitches if the seam rates or if the seams are higher. So there's a lot of unintended consequences that might happen as a result of them changing the ball. But for now, I think you can probably lower your run environment by about a tenth of a run per team, quarter of a run per game, and move it further from there based on how the early playing goes. All right. Pirates, Cubs, 220 Eastern. Cool at Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks minus 215 over under TBD because of the weather, obviously, with Wrigley. I think it's really you could fill us in here. There's going to be a, a lot of wind projected. Hendricks, I believe, has owned the Pirates in the recent past. Yeah, I think if you're just going to take note of one park whose totals always open late because of weather, it's Wrigley. I mean, a total could be anywhere between seven and a half to 11 and a half at Wrigley Field, depending on the weather, you know, up or down two runs from where you would normally have it projected. So for opening day, I have this one closer to, I believe, 8.1. I think Colin mentioned that he has it closer to 8.6. You have winds blowing in 17 miles an hour from left field. I would imagine the total is probably going to open in that eight to eight and a half range, but we just don't know yet. And as far as the full game, Moneyline or F5, there's really nothing here for me. Yeah, I bet if it opens eight and five, I bet it'll come down, especially it's like, what's it going to be, 32 degrees in Chicago tomorrow? Colin, what do you got here? I'll happily take an under eight and a half here because, you know, another added element besides the wind, uh, besides Hendricks owning the Pirates, the Pirates are the worst team in 2020 against right-handed pitching from a wins, uh, weighted runs created standpoint. So, uh, definitely an under in play here. I'll happily take it eight and a half, and then I'll, I'll go a little bit lighter on the amount of ticket if it's an eight. Terrell, do you have any thoughts on the, the Cubs? Or, Alec Mills didn't make the Cubs rotation. I thought he was going to, but like one of the things that I was – the Cubs are not going to be great this year. But I was saying, okay, you have Hendricks, and then Davies, and then Mills. Like, if all, like they're the same pitcher, and like does it kind of take away their effectiveness when you're just seeing like, all right, these change of pace, change of guys – do you have any insight into this Cubs rotation, Over, overrated, underrated? So they're kind of doing things a little bit differently than everybody else. If you look into stuff that, you know, Saris mm-hmm. has written, other people have written about it. It's called Seam Shifted Wake. And mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a new development in terms of optimizing pitches and making sure that pitches complement one another. Really, the Cubs are acquiring these guys who don't have the best stuff. But they do things that they think they can manipulate in better ways to make them more effective than they might look. So, yeah, they're, they're not the most imposing staff on paper by, by any stretch of the imagination. But they, at least they have a plan with what they're doing. And there's a lot of intentionality with what they're doing, which I certainly respect. Ultimately, my outlook on the Cubs comes down to how well they start and then how quickly they look to shop pending free agents like Baez and Bryant. Uh, Wilson Contreras, I believe, still has a year of arbitration left. So... They're looking to cut costs. They could sell the bottom out from under this team at any time, but I have their divisional odds projected close to about 525. I think, I think there's an eight to one out there. They're usually five to one in a lot of places. So listen, if you're high on this Cubs team, if you don't think they'll sell off those pieces, they could be in contention in an open division, but it's not really the team for me. And it hasn't been for a few years. And I think for me, it's worth noting people that bet on bet on or against the Cubs that I don't see a left-handed starting pitcher in here between Hendricks, Arietta, Davies, Williams, Alzole. Uh, where's the lefties? Craig, Craig Kimball, right? Righty. I mean, so if you have a team that crushes righties, you may want to go against the Cubs. Plus, I mean, we're back to a full season here. Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, it takes him two or three months just to wake up. So, you know, this is a Cubs team that has all the kind of dynamics you want from the sides and the totals. 
because of the wind and the fact that they don't have any left-handed pitching uh, and they go into streaks with hitting. Yeah. I mean, they do have some, they do a bunch of, a bunch of just soft throwing changeup guys that aren't going to be huge platoon split guys, but yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And then the bullpen, there's certainly questions there as well. Let's move on to the NL East Braves, Phillies, three Oh five Eastern, really good pitching matchup on paper. Obviously it's opening day. You're going to see a lot of those freed at NOLA, NOLA minus one Oh five total seven. Seems low for a uh, game at Citizens Bank Park, but uh, we're going to have wind and it's not going to be summer weather, to say the least. Really, anything here? Yeah, looking at the first five over here, uh, anytime I see a first five over three and a half, even with really good starting pitchers, you have to take a look at it just because that's a really low implied total. Those should almost always be four or higher uh, if the game total seven. So Lots of wind, as you mentioned, blowing in from left field at about 15 miles an hour, which is why I need to take a closer look at the number. But if I'm playing anything on that game, it's the first five over. Yeah, the crab fries, uh, the wind is blowing in from the crab fries and center straight into the uh, visitor's dugout, I believe. So uh, I think I agree with Zarello completely on the first five. It's a number I projected at 4.2. That's the way to play this. Reds hosting, are they going to score a run? Maybe we just bet the under here. So the Reds may never score a run again. Um, Reds hosting the Cardinals. This line, I believe, at some places opened Jack Flaherty minus 175, minus 170. And now Luis Castillo is uh, minus 114. So quite a swing. Total seven and a half. Flaherty, obviously, it's an, he's an interesting guy that I want to watch. I love his stuff. I think he's a bona fide ace. And then last year, the Cardinals were just kind of – they wouldn't never let him get into – a rhythm and he couldn't in that shortened season. And he just, it just never worked out for him. I think he was a bit unlucky too. If you look some, at some of his peripherals, but they would just wouldn't, they wouldn't let him go deep into games. They would, they, they just, it just was a mess of, and lost year for Flaherty. Castillo is obviously excellent with his change up. Uh, anything here? Zero. Yeah. So Flaherty's first two starts last year is he started on opening day, July 24th. And then his second start was August 19th because of all the COVID pauses that they had. And I believe he also tested positive. So I don't, see how you can take much stock out of that season when he had to ramp up during spring, slow back down, you know, take a delay. And then such a big gap between his first two starts. He didn't really get going until September. So you mentioned the the line opened or it was an early line at MGM opened dramatically in favor of the Cardinals. They're now around even money. So it's completely flipped. I think there is some value on the Cardinals side. I know BJ Cunningham who also does his own separate projections. He likes the Cardinals a lot. That was his biggest edge on opening day. I think he had him closer to 55%. I have them at 52%. So if I got a probably a 105, I'd consider playing them. But really, I'm looking at the over here. This is one park that has wind blowing out on opening day. Great American Ballpark. I believe it's still called that. You got 14 miles an hour straight out to right center. So if anything, I'm probably playing an over in this game, despite the Cardinals being a pretty good defensive team. The Reds are going to be an awful defensive team, probably the worst one in baseball. So you have a battle here between the best and worst defensive teams of baseball. The Reds are just trying to see how many natural third basemen they can fit into the same lineup and put on the same field at the same time. So it's almost like a fantasy baseball team or a like a simulation team where you're just like taking the defensive hit at every position and seeing what happens. But this this Reds team could be kind of hilarious just playing a whole bunch of third basemen together. Well, then you have, the, you have the outfield you have to worry about. Like, what's Castellanos is just going to be pulled every seventh inning. Like, it's just, yeah, the Reds defensively are, are a disaster. Colin, let me let you come in here. 410 Eastern Rangers at Royals. 
Yeah, Kyle, like I was looking at the, I was like, Kyle Gibson is the opening day starter for the Rangers. Sheesh. I mean, I, he'll give you innings, but that's about it. Taking on your guy, Keller, Royals, depending on where you are, minus 160-ish favorite. Are we going to hear about the underrated Royals lineup? Underrated Keller? And are you back in your Royals here? Yeah, the Royals are completely underrated. No, I think the price is correct. I have Keller around minus 151. So I think there's a little bit heavier of a tax. I see that it may be dropping. If it gets into the minus 150s, I'll consider a Royals bet. But I think the number is spot on. And especially from the total, it's going to be a beautiful day. Three miles an hour coming in. It's not a home run ballpark. Texas has no bite in their lineup whatsoever. Uh, for me, this is just going to be a watch to count how many times Alberto Mondesi gets on base, which will probably be zero. It's one of those parks where people don't think of it as like, hey, you don't really hit a lot of homers there, but it's a, I, it's a pure, pure doubles park. I feel like they built that park I, and just some Kaufman. I mean, like they built that park to be a doubles park back in the day because that's all George Brett ever did was lead the league in doubles every single year. And they had the curved outfield wall. So the ball would just go out there and just mm. run around all over the place on the warning track. And they've never done anything to benefit home run hitters. And they're still going out trying to sign Solaire. So, yeah, definitely uh, park factors. The Royals never rank up, I think, in the top 15 of, of a home run park. Here's an interesting game where – and, look, I'm not a huge opening day better. I don't tend to have a big card on opening day. As of right now, going through these games, Brewers, Twins, under is my fair play. I try to come up with an open mind, and I had some leans, and that's the one that where I'm rolling with there. I do have – a slight lean toward Miami here. Tampa Bay at Miami. Glass now at Alcantara. I'm a big Alcantara guy. By the way, I think that there's, I mean, this potentially, this Marlins rotation, if everything works out, and Rodgers might be the most underrated one in their rotation given his strikeout rate and ground ball rate combo. But they, you could make a crazy, I don't know, you could make an argument, and I wouldn't laugh you out of the room that the the Marlins could win the division, which I mean, not, not, I don't think a lot of people think is a realistic option. Um, but look, Alcantara is excellent. Glass now, I just, I spent a little bit of time looking into Glass now just because I've, the last couple of years in just so many high leverage spots, I'm like, sometimes I bet on him, sometimes I'm fading him. I'm like, what, what is going on with Glass now? Why do I have so many strong opinions on him? Uh, apparently, he's coming up with a hybrid pitch which he needs. He doesn't really have a third pitch, right? He's just as fit. He throws absolute gas and then he has an unhittable breaking ball, but teams are starting to just like, let me lay off that. And then I'll just sit on his fastball. And so I think that that's why if you look at his results, they're not elite. Like you think of glass now and you're like, Oh, an elite pitcher. But then you look at his, his ERA and some of his other peripherals. And you're like, it's not as good as I thought. And I think that's why if he does develop his third pitch, look out, but I actually think he might be a tad bit overvalued here against just a, a really scrappy Marlins team. That's going to just find ways to get on base, use it, some of its speed. And uh, I don't know. I might, I think the Marlins here are an intriguing home dog on opening day. Do it. Am I crazy? It's real. Uh, no, you're not crazy. I think if anything, that's the side. I, I have them projected at 44%. So I, I need a little bit higher of a money line in order to play them, probably closer to like 145. But I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Glasnow is just such a volatile pitcher. He can get you two easy strikeouts in an inning and then walk the bases loaded in a heartbeat. Like that's that's just how he rolls. So he is working on that hybrid cutter slider, like you said. We'll see how much he actually throws it. Oftentimes guys work on new pitches in spring training then never actually bust it out. But yeah. If anything here, I'm actually looking to the under, uh, as scary as that sounds, given his style and how quickly he can implode. But 
I think this total should be under seven. It's the lowest projected total I have for opening day. I have it closer to 6.5. So at 7.5, minus, one, minus 110, minus 105, I'm, I'm considering a play. I just need to go back and make sure that my inputs are all correct, that I didn't mess something up because it came out so low. For me, I think that this game is properly priced, but it's the Friday game for the Marlins that I really want to back them because they have two pitchers that I, I have drafted in every fantasy league I'm in from a dark horse perspective with Alicia Hernandez and then Friday starter Pablo Lopez, who's going to go up against Ryan Yarborough, a lefty, and the Marlins hit the lefties way better than they hit the righties, uh, at least from uh, a 2020 standpoint. So Friday against the Rays is the day that I'm circling to back Pablo Lopez for the Marlins. I don't think the the market realized or books realized like how how much the Marlins team has improved since the beginning of last year. Obviously, they now have the worst name of all professional stadiums and all sports. <laughs> so you you could take something away from them there, but yeah, I think there's definitely some intrigue with this Marlins team. They're just in the toughest division in baseball, so it's a lot to overcome. Yeah, absolutely crazy. All right, let's move on to someone who has been absolutely free money. Uh, on opening day in the past. That does not mean that it is free money in the future, but Clayton Kershaw, who has been absolutely ridiculous on opening day throughout his career, heading to course. Kershaw, minus 205, minus 210 favorite over under 11. Kershaw has not looked great in spring training. There was all this talk last year of, oh, look, his velocity was way up out of just nowhere, which you don't really see early early in the season I'm referring to for a guy of his age. Didn't really pan out late in the year. They, The Dodgers are a really smart organization now. He was not throwing his fastball as much. They weren't letting him go deep into games. He would rarely – you know, face a lineup for the third time through. So like elite Kershaw is like at the very, very end of, of the rope. Like it's, he still can pitch and he knows how to pitch and he has savvy, but um, I have some concerns about Kershaw and it's one guy that I'm potentially looking to fade in first fives because the Dodgers are just going to be so overvalued this year. So uh, Marquez, obviously it's just, I get him out of cores, man. I mean, just look at his road splits. He's a dominant pitcher. I believe his curve and Bieber's curve last year, rated as the two most valuable pitchers pitches in baseball. Uh, any chance? We not, I don't think he, none of us like this Rockies team, but they do at least have Marquez on the mound. Any chance you go against uh, the Dodgers and Kershaw on opening day? Here's the When this early line came out, it was sitting around plus two twenty, and I was sitting here thinking, "Damn it, am I really going to have to give out the Rockies on opening day to people?" And immediately take an L. Uh, thankfully it's come down a little bit to 190. So I can back off of that play that that line looks right to me. The total looks right to me. So thankfully we do not have to bet the Rockies on opening day against the Dodgers, but I would imagine at some point we certainly will be. Last time we saw Kershaw, 88 pitches and 3.1 innings came out with the bases loaded. So he, uh, I think he had a 10.22 ERA in spring training. Now again, so let me, I'll pose this question. Do you, do you have any hypothesis on spring training results for pitchers? So a thing that I like to look at is obviously velocity. You know, you can see, all right, last year the velocity was down it's up a little bit in spring training. But you're, you said you mentioned this before. Hey, they're working on this pitch. And I say to myself, oh, well, if they have this pitch and it looks great, that's going to do a lot for their arsenal. But then you don't see it. It's still spring training. You see guys with great spring trainings that just, yeah, hey, then all of a sudden they're themselves in the regular season. Or guys that just get lit up and then opening day, they're sharp as hell. They're working on some stuff. They're not worried about – results as much so how much stock do you put into pitcher results in spring training 
I don't think you could put a ton into it. I mean, if we remember last year, Robbie Ray was like the absolute coronation of Robbie Ray during spring training. And we all saw how that worked out. Changes arm angle was absolutely dominant. But the one thing I would look at, and the one thing I do put a little stock into is guys who have shown absolutely no command in the past, potentially finding it. If you get like a three to one strikeout to walk ratio, four to one, even over 20 innings, that's some indication that they may be finding something. I know you consider Dylan Cease to be an absolute gas can and one of the most fatal bull pitchers in baseball. Well, he's shown improved command this spring. So I would be a little bit careful about going all in against Cease early because he might be a different pitcher. Mm, what's that smell? It stinks. What do you mean? This trash. The sweet, sweet trash. The trash is a gold mine. Gold mine. That's kind of the thing I look for is guys who are one skill away, whether it's a power hitter who hasn't made contact in the past or a power arm with good stuff who hasn't been able to command the ball in the past. If they're showing signs that they might be unlocking that final skill, I would just be a little bit more hesitant than, you know, your initial assumption, either fading them or, or targeting them. So you're saying no results matter unless it's still in season. That is actually the only incorrect answer. Colin, what do you have? Well, I mean, if there's a pitcher that fits that profile where I was had them heavily under the microscope because I'm going to bet them like throughout the first month because they've increased their velocity. They've helped their pitch location. Uh, they're just a completely different pitcher than they were two years ago. It's you see Kukichi. Uh, Kukichi has been fantastic for the Mariners in camp. Uh, there is nothing that's going to stop me from betting him the first few outings. He is a completely different pitcher. I know we've seen it with Robbie Ray, and he, he falls off. He can't, you know, he can't hit the broadside of a barn. But Kukichi has increased his velocity. He's increased uh, his, his the number of pitches that he has. Uh, he's locating. Uh, that is somebody for the Mariners. I'm going to back the first three or four starts until he stops making me money. His velocity was kind of up and down and all over the place. When he first came over from Japan, his velocity dropped. And then last year, it got back up to 98 miles an hour in, in some games. So absolutely, I think you're, you're on the nose there with Kikuchi. Yeah, he just needs no, you I mean, you are right about Cease. I mean, one of the reasons I hate him is because he has no command. So then he gets into hitter's counts. And he's either walking somebody or gets into a, he gets into a hitter's count. He has to throw his fastball, and they're just sitting on it. If he does improve his command, he'll, he, he certainly has good stuff. He'll be a much improved pitcher. The same thing is with Kikuchi. I have him here listed on when we get to undervalued pitchers. I have him here as number one. I mean, last year he had, a, what, a 5.170 RA, completely misleading. It was 59.9% left on base rate. He had a 3.3 FIP. 3.78 xFIP, 4.34 Sierra, added a cutter, velocity up a, a significant amount. And he, if, as long as he just improves his command, um, which you would think after like a year of adding a cutter and in a, during like a, a, a pandemic interrupted year, hey, is, you can anticipate that maybe his command was probably going to be a little off. If, his, if he improves his command, he's uh, going to be a pitcher that I, I agree will be on a lot. And let's also remember that he pitches his home games in Seattle and he gets to play road games in Oakland and in Texas, the new Globe Life, which is like, you know, eating hitters alive. So, I mean, it's a really good setup for him this year. Talking about velocity that's potentially not going up, Madison Bumgarner. You know, talk about this Arizona team doesn't seem to sign anyone and then they give that con ugh, that contract to Bumgarner. Ugh. Bumgarner had an atrocious year last year. He opens up on the road against the Padres who just have, I don't know, like five or six potential Cy Young starters on their team. Like Clevenger's not even playing for the mission. doesn't really even matter for their rotation. Padres uh, minus 215, minus 220-ish, over under eight and a half. Bumgarner 2019 average velocity was like 
It's fastball around 91 and a half, 92, down to 88 last year. So if he can get up to 91, 92 again, okay, maybe he's bettable again. I just don't know if he can get back to that level. Anything here, Zerilla? Even at that 91-mile-an-hour range, he still struck out 200 hitters over the course of a year. So it shows you how substantial those those last couple miles an hour really are. I'm absolutely going to be targeting either first five money line or first five spread on the Padres here. I have them at 73.6% for the first five innings. It drops to 69% for the full game. So definitely an F5 option for those of you out there. It's just a matter of how you want to play it. I think the, the spread is minus 135. The money line is about minus 215. So I'm also showing value on the under, but very slightly. Definitely not anything I'm going to play because Bumgarner has blow up potential. Apparently he's gotten up to 91 miles an hour in spring training, but Listen, based on what I saw last year, that's that's a long hill to climb back up. And usually pitchers don't just suddenly rediscover that velocity after losing it like that. Completely agree with Zerillo here. I think the line right now is we're recording this podcast at minus 220. I think it's 25 cents short. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Padres keep going up on the full game number. At the same time, I'm right with Zerillo. 7.8 is my projection on the total. You know, I think the game's going to be 8-0 Padres if he had to ask me on the outcome, so which is very possible. Uh, moving on to the night slate, we have four games. DeGrom at Scherzer, great pitching matchup on paper. DeGrom has taken a little bit of money since the Open, minus 145-ish now. Over-under has come down off that key seven. Say six and a half now, heavily juiced to the over. The thing I with look the the I have a lot of questions about the Nats. And the more I look into them, the more I have questions. I it's one of my the most overvalued pitchers. I think this is probably a consensus with a lot of people. Is, is Corbin? I mean, just with his velocity going down as a two pitch pitcher, I that's scary. And Scherzer, he's not going to be elite forever, right? Uh, and he's getting up there in age, which is thirty seven. So I do have some, and, and Strasburg is not right, not completely healthy right now. So I have a major questions about the Nationals, basically with everything except for Juan Soto. Anything here, Zero? Yeah, when you were talking about free money on opening day, I thought you were about to bring up my Mets. Listen, they lost their first eight oh, opening yeah. day games in franchise history. Since then, they're 39-12 and 12 on opening day, Stucky. 39-12. and 12. There's no wonder, like, as a Mets fan, I get absolutely giddy about opening day. I don't think I've seen them lose many opening day games in my lifetime. So, uh, listen, these two pitchers, obviously, on paper, as good as it gets. Uh, You're always going to see a first five total of three and a half in a DeGrom versus Scherzer game. I believe it's gone over three out of four times in Nationals Park. We do have wind blowing in in this game as well. So, I show slight value on the over. I might not play it. I got to look at that wind situation more. I got to dig into the numbers of these, these DeGrom first five over three and a half. I know he went on a huge run where he'd hit like 12 or 15 in a row had gone under. Maybe you take a Mets team total over. Once a pitcher has an arm or shoulder injury, they're almost a 50-50 bet to have another arm or shoulder injury in the following year. So it's going to be tough for the Nationals to keep Strasburg and Scherzer together, even though, I mean, they benefited last year from having extra time off to heal. Uh, but they're still paying that tax from that World Series run that they went on when they were trotting Strasburg out every two days. So, and, and Scherzer was dealing with injuries even during that time, and then last year it eventually caught up to him. So, yeah, uh, maybe a Mets team total over, maybe a Mets first five over, but in terms of the game money line, I think it's spot on. You just you don't really know what to get out of Scherzer. Yeah, I, I completely agree here. I think the number is correct. I think it's priced in the market correctly, but I agree with the Mets winning the game here and, and getting to Scherzer because 
you know, the Mets crush right-handed pitching and last year specifically 13 innings pitched against the Mets for Scherzer uh, at five earned runs uh, with a, with a whip around one, three, five. So uh, they can get to Scherzer here. Uh, it just depends on what inning they get to him. Yeah. I mean, there's part of me that just says like, let me throw out the Nats pitchers. They're their top three starters. Obviously there's a huge drop off and you got like John Lester, but let me throw out some of their, their numbers from last year. Cause it was a shortened COVID season. And it was after they went on that huge run and they just extended their arms uh, mm-hmm. when they won the world series. But then again, I look at them like Corbin's velocity going down. Strasburg has some health concerns. Scherzer's not getting any younger. Um, but you're right. I, the Mets are they just free money on opening day. And then that's that. Then we start the Mets world series hype after day one. It's just, it's a cycle that uh, it actually excites me. Um, but this year I'm in on the Mets question. One of the questions we got to real, we touched on this a little bit on our first baseball podcast was from uh, our colleague, Daniel Scotty at Scotty Pippen. Um, he asked, would you rather bet the Mets would you feel more comfortable betting the Mets to win the division or the World Series? He says World Series because obviously when, if you get Syndergaard back and Stroman is apparently working on another pitch and then, you know, you have DeGrom, really tough team to beat in a five or seven game series. But if they don't win the division, we talked about this before, then it's like, are you going to get a, do you go against you Darvish and the Padres in a one game wild card? That's not ideal either. Um, so I, I think my answer then would be a little bit of both. Um, any thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, if, okay. So if you're confident that they're winning division, but you don't want to get like, you don't want plus plus one thirty back on your money, right? There's an 18 to one out there on the Mets right now. There's a 12 to one. Most of the markets a 10 to one. Something we've discussed, but not really emphasized is the fact that the NL East and NL central champions have a path to the world series where they never face the Dodgers. If the Dodgers win the NL West and they're really good Padres finish in a wild card spot, Mets or Braves win the NL East other team finishes in a wild card spot. That wild card team presumably is going to play the Dodgers in the first round and have a good chance of beating them in a five game series, obviously better than they would in a seven game series. And then the NL East and NL central champions are going to play. And one of them will have home field advantage against the wild card team that eliminates the Dodgers. So there's a really interesting path for those two divisions to make a run at the NL pennant, make a run at the World Series. It's not for everybody to bet a team at plus 130, plus 150 to win a division. That's It's not a huge return on your money that you're sitting on for six months. Obviously, plus 1,200, plus 1,800 is a lot more enticing. So, yeah, like if you're confident that the Mets are going to win their division, take a little bit of their division money, but definitely add some World Series bets too because – I just think the path come playoff time for the East and Central divisions is potentially lighter than it looks like. Yeah. The only fear is, though, if you don't – if because there's a lot of volatility with all the NL East teams, right? Like we talked about the Nats pitching, the Phillies pitching in their bullpen, lots of questions. The Marlins are a wild card. But the Braves, like they're, they're, they're starters. They have some questions there. Um, what are you going to get from Charlie Morton, for example – you know, their, their ace from two years ago is coming off surgery. And then the Mets, it's like, all right, Syndergaard's not hurt, which Stroman didn't pitch last year. So, like, you could see a lot of variance within the regular season. So the fear is with, like, the Braves or the Mets is that what I mentioned before is you don't win the division, you come up just short, and then you go into a one-game wild card against the Padres and, like, you Darvish. Like, that's not ideal. But you're right. Other than that, um, it's, a, it's a good – if you win the NL East, it's a – probably going to be a good path. 
All right, let's finish up the night slate real quick. Giolito at Bundy, the White Sox, minus 111, minus 113, depending on your look, over under eight and a half. Is the big news with the White Sox was Eloy Jimenez is going to be out for a while. Uh, can Collins and Vaughn kind of make up for his loss, and which still is a very potent lineup? Bundy was great last year, and he was a big, he was a huge prospect at one point, and he changed his arsenal. He just, you know, start, stopped using his fastball as much and used his curve and change up more. I think he made some really positive changes to his arsenal last year. And then his, the numbers were excellent, under three fit in over 65 innings last year. So uh, I think that that's real. Uh, the numbers that we saw from Bundy last year, Giolito obviously has excellent stuff, especially if he could just limit some of his walks a bit. But I think he's still some of that. Some of his wildness makes him effective. Any value here in the uh, Halos? At home as a slight dog, Thriller? No, I think this one's lined right. Keep it simple. I mean, every market on this game looks right to me. Even though I thought Giolito is pretty high in my rankings, uh, I expected to find some value in the White Sox, but I got nothing. Granky at Bassett. Um, I did have – here. maybe you could convince me on this one. Astros at A's. This is kind of a, a revenge season over, if you will, from the playoffs last year. That's basically a coin flip over under – Eight and a half. Look, if you look at the A's lineup, still, they're going to absolutely crush lefties. Still, very right-handed heavy lineup, which actually sort of plays against Greinke. Greinke is a righty, but he's a reverse splits righty. Used to not be, but the way that he has changed his pitch mix over the last decade or so, you could project him as one of the rare reverse splits pitchers. So, can the A's hit him? Um, Sure. And then on the other side, you have Bassett, who has been great, the past couple of years, but I mean, he had 2.29 ERA last year, but his Sierras the last three seasons, four, four, five, four, four, seven, four, four, six, like his, I think a little bit of a uh, little bit of luck last year. Um, this Astros team, I think does project better against lefties. So you do have a righty going for the A's. I think thrill. You like the A's here, right? You're going to, and I, I think I can get behind that. Yeah, I was surprised to see that, you know, obviously have a lot of futures money invested in the Astros, but Bassett, but if you go by Exwoba, he was better than Granky last year. He took a step forward. Granky took a step back. A lot of weak contact from Bassett, keeps the ball on the ground, heavy cutter guy, uh, increases cutter usage last year. I also have a four-year-old Bassett hound, and this is her favorite pitcher, so I, I have to back Bassett whenever he shows value. It's just a rule in my household. So give me the A's on opening day. I also show slight value on the under. I might end up playing that too. Two healthy bullpens. Really good defensive team in the A's. So I'm thinking about adding an under as well, but definitely the A is up to about minus 110. Any worry with the Astros? Because I'm with you on their futures, especially to win this division. There's no lefty in the rotation. Greg is kind of like a quasi-lefty. And then you have that injury, potentially season-ending injury to Valdez, which is when the news first came out. But it looks like it's not going to be that serious. So are we still fairly confident in the price that we got on the Astros? Yeah, I mean, they, they made it all the way to Game 7 of the World Series. Or a couple of years ago, they didn't, they didn't have a single lefty reliever in their bullpen. Yep. So I haven't looked at the exact splits that they have on these guys, but I'm sure they have a couple of reverse splits lefties. They used to use Will Harris in that role. The Astros, they have one of the best pitching coaches in the game. Oldest, the oldest, I believe, coach in the game at this point. So they're they're just really calculated in their approach. They don't really care about handedness. They just care about the skills that guys have and how they can optimize them. Uh, The final game of the night, 10-10 Eastern, Galsman at Gonzalez, Giants at Mariners. 
It's uh, gals was like minus one hundred five, minus one hundred six over under eight and a half. I'm I'm a fan of Galsman. I'm a Galsman truther, but I also really like Gonzalez. He's just a command king. I know that he's he's not going to wow you with any stuff, but he's going to locate as well as any pitcher in the bigs. Uh, anything here? I hope Marco Gonzalez changes his permanent nickname on Players Weekend to Boring, just to throw some shade back at the recently fired Mariners president. Listen, uh, I think we're going to be betting a lot on the Giants this year, particularly against the Padres and the Dodgers. I think they're a competitive team. They make really smart moves. Gausman was a, it was smart to lock him up. They might have given him a uh, qualifying offer one year, fifteen million. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I show some first five inning value on them. I have them at 55.75. So I think at minus 110 or better, that's uh, that's a solid little play. Also looking at the full game under here, uh, Seattle traditionally plays to the under lower scoring games, but their bullpen is my personal kryptonite. I can't even begin to tell you how many bets I have lost as a result of the Mariners bullpen in the past two years. I was on that first game of the doubleheader last year that they had with the Padres where their bullpen allowed seven runs in the bottom of the seventh, including a walk-off grand slam. I will never forget that for as long as I live. So the Mariners, uh, tough for me to get behind and under with that bullpen, but I am showing value on that front. I was on the first game of that doubleheader, which I think was, I was on the under and or the Mariners and it also blew up in like the sixth inning, their torture chamber. This is Action Network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell. Here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. All right. So that'll do it going through every game on opening day. Let me, before we get to, uh, let me just get to my undervalued, overvalued list. You let me know if you agree or disagree. Um, you, you throw any in there and then Colin, I'll let you throw any pictures that you have from an undervalued or overvalued perspective. Undervalued already. We already talked about Kikuchi. I have two giants pitchers. Also Logan Webb. Is, I mean, there's rave reviews about his changeup. How much do we do we trust the spring training reports? But he's been great in spring, and that pitch apparently is looked obscene. Di Scofani, I'm a big fan of, and I think that he'll benefit from moving from Cincy in that band box to San Fran. I got to throw an Indians pitcher in here in Savali. I mean, his revamped delivery, changed his arm angle, his arsenal. He's got a third pitch now, and it's just the Indians bump. 
whatever you project for an Indians pitcher, that you know that they're just going to get better because of how they develop pitchers. I've, I'd put Junis in here because of his third pitch. And uh, I just, Trevor Rodgers just doesn't get enough credit on the Marlins rotation because of these other names that throw harder. But his strikeout rate and his ground ball combo is excellent. Those are my undervalued. My overvalued was Glass now. Ian Anderson, probably going to be overvalued early in the year. Worry about his walks too a bit. And then Corbin, I mean, look, he lost two two miles per hour off his velocity last year. His swing strike rate is just plummeting. This is a two-pitch pitcher. I mean, if he doesn't have his fastball anymore, see ya. So those are the three I had as overvalued. Drew, I'll start with you. Do you agree, disagree with any of them, and then anyone else you want to throw out? Yeah, I'm actually kind of pretty high on Andy a- a- Anderson, actually. I just really like his stuff. I like his command. He's so polished for a kid his age. He's shown great numbers through the minor leagues. So I dig you a little bit on that one. But generally, I think the guys that I think are undervalued are on a lot of the teams that I bet to win their divisions. You mentioned Savali for Cleveland. I'm a big fan of Plesak. I think he's great. I think Tristan McKenzie's great. His strikeout rate was... I believe the only one to eclipse a certain benchmark that has only been met by Kerry Wood and Steven Strasburg in their rookie seasons. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Jose Urquidy for the Astros. That guy has four above average pitches. Uh, dealt with COVID last year, which kind of hiccuped the start of his season, but he's extremely effective. And then, you know, if you want to go through the, the Brewers trio of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Adrian Hauser, I think all those guys are highly effective pitchers and a big reason why I think they're going to be successful this season. So I guess one other guy I'd mention, uh, he's a piece of shit because he had a domestic violence incident last year, but Domingo Herman for the Yankees, don't forget how good he was two years ago. I mean, he was, he was maybe their, the best pitcher on their roster before they got Garrett Cole. So definitely don't forget about Herman. just a matter of whether he has his command coming back from that suspension. As for guys I want to neg a little bit, there's really, you just got to kind of take it as the season goes, but Corey Kluber hasn't looked great this spring. Velocity's down a little bit, having trouble commanding his curveball. Command is the last thing that typically comes back after surgery. Anytime you say anything negative about a Yankees pitcher or any Yankees player, you get absolutely destroyed on the media space, but it is what it is, guys. I respect the fact that you defend your players, but good Lord, like be able to take some criticism. As far as actually, I'm going to mention one other guy who I think is underrated, uh, again, with the Astros, Lance McCullers Jr. When a team extends a player in spring and shows that confidence in them, I think you have to take notice. And he was awesome over his last eight starts last year. Career home run rate below one. Really high ground ball rate. So that keeps his, his profile you know, pretty well tuned to have not too much volatility. McCullers is one of my favorite like super long shots for the Cy Young Award. Over 30 starts, he can get his way into the conversation. It's just a matter of him staying healthy for the first time. I, I wonder if you're going to – will you get criticized for criticizing how the Yankees fans take criticism? Uh, <laughs> it's very meta of you, and I'm there. sure I will. Uh, great list. The one thing I worry about with McKenzie's is stamina in, in a full season, which is something to note. But uh, anytime you want to throw an Indians pitcher as uh, uh, undervalued, I, I can't really disagree. And his stuff is electric. Colin, anything you want to add here? Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned a lot of them that I like. Kikuchi is somebody I'm going to bet on every day. Uh, you know, every day, every that's, day. That's, uh, that's Teoscar Fernandez, Teoscar. Just, he's, he's in the. He's on every the bench. Day. You got to bet on the Mariners every day. DFS lineups, even if he's not playing. So, uh, you know, I mean, just you know, other pitchers that we've mentioned that I love that I'm going to be betting on uh, probably blindly. Zach, Zach. You know, some other ones in there. I think people should take note that 
Mike Miner for the Royals. It's a really good ballpark fit for him. And he has some really strong first half, second half splits. Like it, he falls off the map after the all-star break. He's actually pretty good the last few years through the first half. So Mike Miner is somebody I'm going to look to play in spots for the Royals. Uh, as far as a fade that turns into a play, I went down to the Cactus League and didn't like anything I saw in two outings from Julio Urias. Uh, he absolutely got bombed by the Royals. Uh, he got tore up in another outing. I don't know if he can't get location. I don't know the speed because they weren't posting the, you know, his velocity up on the scoreboard. Uh, but I didn't see anything good out of Julio Urias. But that gives me hope that Dustin May will get some starts here, which I think the Dodgers are going to do anyway. The Dodgers don't want to tax any of their starters. So, you know, now with Stripling moving on to Toronto – Dustin May fills that role of, hey, you're going to be our sixth guy in the rotation, but you're really going to pitch every five days. So uh, anytime Dustin May is on the hill, that is that is worth some coin to put down. I'm fully convinced that Dustin May, part of his effectiveness is his hair and how that distracts hitters. But um, so if he if he cuts shades his head, I think that you have to start to dock him. Um, partly kidding. But, um, by the way, how confident are you in the Royals' bullpen this year? Like, Stalmont is one of my favorite bullpen pitchers that doesn't get enough love. But, like, when you're betting on the Royals this year, are you – like, are you going to be looking for first five more than full game? Are you more confident or less confident than you think the market is on this Royals' bullpen in, in total? Well, I mean, so far Greg Holland has been good through spring training. We'll see if that translates into – into. And he was good last year, which I don't understand, but yeah. Yeah, good. I don't understand it either. And Stalmont, I mean, listen, he's been in Omaha forever throwing 100 miles an hour, but the problem is once you get him past the 15th pitch, it all just falls apart. So uh, I think the Royals have a better bullpen than they've had the last couple of years. I'll say that. There's promise here. There's promise everywhere with Kansas City and – uh, I'll be looking to play him until they burn me and burn me and burn me. So, yeah, play on with the bullpen. Holland can keep it together. That'd be shocking to me. Uh, anything you want to respond to there, Azrael? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, wanted to give the people, you know, a fun little experiment that they could do. Do me a favor. Go to the roster research page for the Texas Rangers and look at their bullpen. And other than Ian Kennedy – See if you know any of these guys, because I do this for a living. And my God, I don't know any of these people. Man. Yeah. I didn't realize this. Bullpen was they have more that. players and negative fielding war projected than they do positive fielding war projected. A couple questions. I just rapid fire. The two main ones I wanted to get to plus one and a half versus money line for a dog, presumably a bigger dog. I'll just share my quick thoughts. It's like, I mean, there's basically like a formula that you can use to translate the run line to a money line and it'll, it'll depend on if the team is home or away. It's mainly a feel thing for me when I'll try to use run line and it's going to generally be a bigger, a really big dog. I'd be, I would need plus money. Generally speaking, it's going to be a big dog on the road. If it's a lower scoring game, like a, with a lower total, that's obviously going to make it more appealing, but also if they just have a, if they just have a closer against a, a ridiculous offense that I don't trust, like for example, there'll be times when I want to fade the Dodgers who just seem to win every game in the bottom of the ninth at home against battle pens. So like if I ever wanted to play like the Rockies at the Dodgers this year, please, I hope I don't. And they were a big price. I might look plus one and a half just on a feel thing. Pitchers park, maybe it's a lower total. And I just don't trust the Rockies to ever have the lead and then close it out. And then obviously the Dodgers come back and win by one, you know, they could always hit a grand slam, but it, that's why the plus one and a half is more value. It's obviously priced in the market on the road, but mainly just a feel thing for me. Those are some of the factors I look for. Zero, any thoughts here? Money line versus run line? 
The new extra inning screws things up a little bit. It's you know, fair. you have the runner starting on second base. So in the, the bottom half of the 10th inning, if it's still a tie game, a home run is going to end you. Yeah. It's, it just, it tweaks the percentages slightly. I believe the average number of games ending with a one run difference are like 14 to 17%. Uh, I obviously need to recalculate it for the new extra inning rule, but yeah, generally speaking, I do not play regular spreads. If anything, I'm going to play a reverse run line on a dog. I like, or a dog. I think the line should be flipped on where they're an underdog. And I think they should be favored. So that's generally where I look with spreads. The Matt Mitchell special, the reverse run line. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. I'm actually going to try to give a few more of those out this year, but also on actionnetwork.com. Thanks to Travis Reed, who runs Sports Insights and Bet Labs. We are going to have a formula with my projections that should help you calculate the edge on spreads. So that should be in the app, and that should be on the projections tab on actionnetwork.com pretty soon. Uh, any thoughts, sir? I don't do a run line over minus 110. Uh, generally, it also goes back to, do I trust the bullpen? Do I, do I think this team can have a lead? Yes. Do I, can I trust the bullpen to hold it? That's where the run line usually comes in for me. Uh, and generally, I don't ever go over minus 110 on any run line whatsoever. If I've got to swallow yeah. a money line around minus 140, I'll do it. But, you know, for me, it's a pricing thing. I don't, I don't like to take – I know, Stuck, you're a little bit different. Like, you will take a dog at plus 180 as to where I'll go plus one and a half at, at, like, a, at like a plus one five right so it's just your preference and how much you trust the bullpen because you obviously think the team can win but can they hold it together at the end getting through the baseball season mentally intact is important for me i this isn't my strongest sport i enjoy betting it all season and i'm just trying to grind out a profit so like if i have a thought that this team is going to blow it in the ninth i know it but i show some value and then i just start to have that thought already like, and then if I watch it happen, like, I'm like, then I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to take the plus money on the plus one and a half. If they win, I, whatever. I had a, I, I won the bet regardless. So it's probably flawed logic on mine, but protecting my mental state throughout the grind of a baseball season in like June is important at times. So that's a time where I'll let like biases creep in and be like, fine, I'm just taking the run line when I'm arguing with my, myself. The other question, action versus listed pitchers for me. I will always, when given the opportunity, use listed. But people don't understand when you do action is that if there's a pitching change, the line is going to move. Like this, this is what you don't understand. So yeah, unless I'm, I think that there's a chance that like I don't know who's going to start for the team, but I'm going to like them regardless. So like I don't want my bet to get canceled, right? Like so teams that use openers and like all right, I could see them maybe using a different pitcher for the first inning or something. And I'm going to like it regardless. But when I'm betting baseball, I want to know who's starting. It's a huge part of the handicap. Um, I guess it's becoming not as important for some teams anymore. But uh, so I, when given the choice, I will always uh, do listed. So people think that like, hey, if you do action and then this, per- this pitcher gets scratched and then you go to like a scrub pitcher, but the, the line will adjust on you. Is there any thoughts here? Action versus listed? Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. I, unfortunately, a lot of books have moved away from it and will only let you bet action now. There seems to be yep. a disagreement between the New Jersey books and the Las Vegas books as to how they run that. But this is just an opportunity to ri- remind people, be be familiar with the rules at where you're betting. Books handle rainouts way differently. Some call games official at five and a half innings or four and a half innings. Some will call them official at, you know, only if it goes a full nine innings. There was a lot of debate around that last year because – 
games were being postponed and then replayed as extended as part of seven inning doubleheaders. It was, it was all freaking mess. So just read the books, read the rules of the books where you're betting these games and, and be familiar as to how they're going to handle the wonky situations, because believe it or not, they will pop up a few times a year. Yeah. For me, if you have a choice, I, I do my, I do my underdogs with action and I do my listed pitchers for my favorites, because if you have, you know, if you're betting on Kershaw or Scherzer and they get replaced, you don't want to be stuck with a minus 170 to minus 200. Then again, if you got plus 150 on say, you know, uh, a guy that's fourth or fifth in the rotation uh, and there's, you know, a pitching change on some way, and then he's all of a sudden minus 110 because the other team has a different listed pitcher, then that's, that's just the way I play it. Dogs, dogs, action, favorites, listed pitchers. We'll close out with, because one of the questions I have is, look, I don't want to deal with the, the, the grind of betting daily baseball. So I want like win totals and futures to root for, which is perfectly fair. So we'll go through, we'll close out the show with our favorite futures, win totals, props that we still think have value. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends at Athletic Brewing Company, makers of America's most flavorful non-alcoholic beer. Last season, Tampa won the AL East despite the fifth lowest payroll in baseball. And you know why? Because they make good decisions and they don't get sloppy. Reminds me of how I feel even after a few Cerveza Atleticas, because for years now, Athletic Brewing has been making great tasting beers like that. Beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer, but without the alcohol. So if you're thinking of taking it easy on the booze this April and keeping your gambling wits about you, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support the show, head to athleticbrewing.com. Check out their selection and place an order using code ACTION15. That's ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order. And if you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. So shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Brewing and also to BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Make sure you scoot over there, take advantage of some of the bonus offers that they have, which you can find on actionnetwork.com. All right, so before we get out of here, favorite futures that still have value, could be win totals, could be props, could be anything. Zerol, I'll start with you. What do you want to throw out there? Three teams that show value both in the divisional and World Series markets. That's the Astros, the Mets, and the Brewers. I think we already mentioned them. I'm also betting Cleveland in the AL Central after that Eli Jimenez injury. There's a there's a 10 to 1 number out there. I believe a points bet. You can absolutely hit that. I think I like that down to about plus 700. So, again, Astros, Mets, Brewers, and Cleveland, I think, are all live in the divisional markets. I'm going to give you a few long shot player props though, that I really like. Two in particular, Vlad Guerrero Jr. for most RBIs. I have him 15th in my RBI projections. Everyone around him in my projections is listed between 25 and 35 to 1. They're going to be playing in an offensive firehouse in Dunedin. We don't really know what that park is going to play at exactly, but we do have indications that it's going to be a strong offensive-leaning park. Blue Jays expected to score a ton of runs anyway. And Vladdy is an 80-hit tool. It's the only 80-hit tool that Baseball Prospectus has ever given out. So this kid, when he breaks out, it's going to be absolute lightning. And I think it's possible that it's this year. He lost a lot of weight, looks really good in spring. Other one I really like, not listed at too many books, Trevor Rosenthal for most saves. He's assuming Liam Hendricks' role in Oakland. Since the midpoint of the 2019 season, Hendricks was the save leader. I believe he had 34. Rosenthal rebounded from Tommy John. 
Uh, his first year back, he had more walks and strikeouts. He was a complete disaster. Last year was the best year of his career. He was electric. Velocity was no higher than it previously had been. He was still sitting 98, but he rediscovered his command. He looked awesome. So he's eighth in my saves projections. Again, everyone around him in the market, in the projection market relative to the betting market, they're all listed in the 10 to 14 to one range. So 20 to one Rosenthal, probably like that down to 15 to one. I think he's a really good snipe at his current odds. With Guerrero too, he's all the reports are he's lifting the ball in spring training. Really positive thoughts. And then now you have all these questions about their pitching, right? Like you have Yates injury. A lot of their starters are hurt. So if they're getting blown out or they're in these just higher scoring games, I think it's just going to lead to more offensive numbers for Guerrero. Colin, what do you want to mention? Yeah, and take note that the Blue Jays are starting off at their spring training facility. That is a place where the wind blows straight out to left. So not just Vlad Guerrero Jr., I like T. Oscar Hernandez uh, on a home run prop. There's going to be a lot of runs scored there. Uh, as far as win totals go, I think there's value in taking the Tigers under. The GM and the owners have made it very clear that this is not the year to buy. They will not be buying until next year, so they will actually try to shed whatever value they can find out of this roster at the break. Same thing with the Phillies. They have a $192 million contract, new president of operations. It's probably going to want to get his own players, his own contracts in there. Uh, I like the Astros to win the AL. Uh, I like the Brewers at their current price, anything plus 300 or above to get to the central. And, you know, let's pull out, throw out some uh, Kukichi uh, Cy Young odds here. I mean, uh, extreme long shot, but I mean, with everywhere that he pitches and the velocity he's throwing at, I mean, all we need to do is get what 14 wins out of him for the Mariners. That's good enough for me. Especially if he's going to pitch every day. Every day. A um, lot of opportunities to pick up wins. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm with you guys on Mets division. Brewers division, Astros division, those are the three that I'll throw. Ten to one, I would like. I'll, I would like the Indians to win that division too as well. All right, so that'll do it for us. I'm excited to uh, go through the grind and the ups and downs of the MLB baseball betting season. You know that you won't find any better content out there than what you'll find on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app. So make sure you check that out. We'll have. An abundance of content starting from opening day through the World Series. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Make sure you check out all of our plays on the Action Network app. Good luck this season. May the bullpen luck be on your side. And we'll catch you later. Cheers. Peace out. finished talking.